Has the world gone crazy? Life is difficult. When you need help, where do you turn? Welcome to Christian Impact, impacting your life with spiritual truth. I am Dr. Kelly Blanton, and I'm sharing practical truths in the Bible that can truly change your life. Today is October 13th, 2022. We continue our year-long series, Chronicles of the Kingdom, Lesson 40, Victory Living. Now, There's been a lot of messages and sermons or Bible studies, I don't don't even know what to call them, given by people about victorious Christian living. And you have a right if you're just sort of kind of put off with the idea because there's been so much bad theology, bad teaching about what it means to live a victorious Christian life. So much of it focuses on on the prosperity gospel about this get rich, get quick scheme, which is a lot like what the world tries to sell you with multi-level marketing. You do this, get rich, you won't have to work and get rich. And it's the same with Christianity. You know, if, if you, if you just give me some money, then all your needs will be taken care of. There's also the, uh, name it, claim it faith movement. And again, it's, it's a perversion. It's a twisting of scripture. Um, but it's this idea that, you know, whatever you just decide to open your mouth and say you won't, you're suddenly going to get in life. And both of these Christian, quote, philosophies, I call them a philosophy, not really a theology, but these, these ideas, they, they fall short. And for Christians that attempt to, to live this way, they, they become burned out, they become uh, bitter because it's not truth, it doesn't work, and Unfortunately, some Christians even begin to blame God rather than the fact that they were duped into believing someone that gave them something that wasn't true. But there is a type of victory or victorious life in Christ. And what I want us to do immediately is just look at what does that mean, victory living. Uh, If you're going to have to have a victory, then you have to understand you have to have a battle. You have to have a war. Um, you can't have victory without being in some type of challenge, some type of fight. You have to overcome to win. And so our faith and our spiritual life will be challenged in life. If we're going to have victory, then we must be challenged. And we have to understand that to seek to be free from battles and challenges in this life is not reasonable or real. It's not a real expectation. Um, however, we can be victorious over challenges in this life because of the kingdom of God and the lifestyle that he offers us. If you have a Bible, you can follow with me, but I'm going to be reading some scripture. 2 Timothy 3, 
10 through 12 says, But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. And out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Notice words used in that scripture. Perseverance. Persecutions. Afflictions. These are not warm and fuzzy, make me feel good words. And this is, of course, the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy um, about situations. And notice that he says to Timothy, you've carefully followed my doctrine. You've carefully followed my teaching. He says, you've followed my manner of life, my purpose, my faith. Um, You know, we can make a lot of good messages and sermons that really encourage you, make you feel good, talking about teachings and manner of life and purpose and faith. Then he uses the word long-suffering. Now, the NIV will translate that as patience, and that's a little bit more subdued. Long-suffering does mean patience, but, you know, you you have to patiently wait in line when you're getting your McDonald's hamburger or you're wanting to maybe even check out at a grocery store. And, oh, man, you got to wait behind so many people. Oh, you got to be patient. But long-suffering is not just patient, but when you hear the word suffering, long suffering, it's this idea that you're having to really endure and put up with something that is beyond the inconvenience of waiting in a line for a grocery store checkout. Um, you know, long suffering is what you may have to do if you're waiting to get out of prison. You know, long suffering is something when you've um, been in an accident and you're in the, the hospital because your legs are broken and you have to wait for months for them to heal before you can get out of bed. Um, there's a little bit more long-suffering involved in that. It's not just patient, although they both mean the same thing. And I like the word long-suffering being translated here because it goes into love. Okay, that, that can be fuzzy. But then it says perseverance. Now, perseverance sometimes gets translated as patient. Oh, just being patient. But no, perseverance is you are definitely enduring. Something is happening to you and you have to carry the load, the weight of it. And then persecutions. Well, now you're being treated unjustly. You're being persecuted. People have been persecuted for their faith. They've been persecuted for their race. They've been persecuted uh, for their gender. They've been persecuted. You know, there's all sorts of things that people are persecuted for in life. And it goes, and afflictions. This is where you're now suffering, whether it's a disease or a handicap or someone has caused damage to you that now causes pain. And Paul says, which have happened to me. So Paul has had, so he's had to suffer persecutions and afflictions and he has had to persevere and take things. It happened to him in Antioch. It happened to him in Iconia. It happened to him in Lystra. And this this does not sound like good things. And yet he goes, and out of those, he says, what? The Lord delivered him. He said, the Lord delivered me. And then he says something that you won't hear in any type of prosperity gospel. And yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer 
persecution. Christians here in the United States and free world of the West wake up. We have not been persecuted, but it's coming. We've not been persecuted, but it is coming. And we've got brothers and sisters in persecuted countries who have been enduring and having the Lord deliver them for for decades. And the Spirit has been telling them to pray for us because persecution is coming and we are not ready. And yes, so many of us here in our quote first world problems, we, we, we cry about things that in reality, as far as the conditions of the world, we're spoiled brats. And we have no idea what it means to suffer persecution. And yet here's the word of God, the word of God. As I meditate on that, this is the word of God says that if we desire to live for Jesus Christ, we're going to suffer persecution. Right now, the most persecution we, we suffer is people calling us crazy and stupid and calling us names. But here recently, in the last few years, we're beginning to see open persecution begin to, 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 to pick up where they're starting to go. We can go get their bank accounts. We can we can just try to destroy their lives. We can begin to make things miserable. And those things will come before they begin to do bodily damage. Um, but notice in 2 Corinthians 4, 8-9, again, Paul's writing says, We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Again, sometimes as Christians, we want to look at the, the, the pressing and the perplexing and the persecution and being struck down. Yet Paul here is emphasizing, I'm not crushed. We're not crushed. We're not in despair. We're not forsaken. We're not destroyed. Jesus is with us. We're not forsaken. We're not without hope. And he's not going to allow us to be destroyed. So no matter how intense the battle becomes, we can make it through to victory. Why? Because Jesus Christ is in us. First John 4, 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. God in us is greater than the world. He's greater than than Satan in the world. He's greater than those people who want to persecute us in the world. Colossians 2, verse 15, says, Having disarmed principalities and powers, he, Jesus, made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. You know, that word disarmed, Jesus has disarmed principality and powers. Uh, the King James translates that as spoiled having spoiled principalities and powers. And, you know, he's not talking about like the spoiling of meat, but the taking of spoils. And that's in the old history when one army would conquer another army and they would take spoils. It means that they would go and they would take all the treasures or all the resources from the enemies that have been defeated. Jesus has spoiled. He's taken the resources of the enemy. But the Greek word... Apec duomai, it means to divest wholly, to be stripped completely of all legal right, to be stripped 
naked. That's what this word disarmed means. And I got to divest wholly. I ask people, what does divest mean? We know what invest means. You're, you're, you're putting into something for a return. But divesting is where you're taking out of something. So Jesus has taken out of the principalities. He's stripped them of legal rights. I like that, to be stripped naked. And then it's followed by what? He made a public spectacle of them. This is what Jesus has done to the enemy. He's totally stripped the devil and all the powers of darkness of any and all rights to this world, to us, to anything that his kingdom touches. Your life, my life, we belong to God. The enemy has no rights to it, provided we submit ourselves to the Lord. If you submit yourselves to the devil, he's going to abuse you. It's almost like a thug on the street. You know, it's not legal for them to rob. It's not legal for them to do those things. But they do them when people allow them to subject everyone else to tyranny. But when a populace says no more, then the public get together and they, you know, when the public gets together, who do you think the police work for? The public. The public get together and they say, we want to hire people to protect us. Not only that, but a public that is armed and trained don't put up with that either. Um, and you break into someone's house that has defense and suddenly you're made a public spectacle of because they stop you. And that's what Jesus has done. He's disarmed the enemy. He's made a spectacle of them. And he's given the rights to us. But we don't have to submit to that. Ephesians 1, 19-23. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And I know that was a little bit of a mouthful, but going back, notice it's talking about the exceeding greatness of his, talking about Jesus' power. And his, and his greatness is power, what? Towards us towards us believers who believe and it's according to his mighty power boy it's his repetition of his power his power and then what about his power it's far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named that's just how much as much power he has is what he's got power over and notice he says he put all things under his feet so Jesus has put everything down. You know, he is the head. He's over everything. He's He's got his foot on top of it. He's the conqueror. But notice it says, and he gave him to be head over all things to the church. Jesus is head over everything. Everything's under his feet. But he's given that to what? To the church, which is his body. So when Jesus wants to put his foot on top of something, his body is the church in which he chooses to do that with. 
This, of course, immediately begins to get us into this type of victory living. But we need to make sure that we're not twisting that. This is where one of the one of the perversions comes, and they go, Satan. You know, Satan's been put under your feet. Everything's put under your feet, and all you got to do is just jump up and down and shout real good, and and all your problems go away. No, the problems don't go away. We need to fight the battle. We need to fight the word, but an understanding that God has given us what we need to overcome and see victory because he is above all things. And our fight is not against flesh and blood. You see, when we make our fight against flesh and blood, when we fight the world's battles, the world's ways, yes, we'll usually get beat because that's not the battle that we've been called to win. If we want to put Satan under our feet, it must be done through a spiritual dimension. It cannot be done by flesh and strength. By working in our flesh and strength and our might, we will always lose. Because we're not working with the might and the power of God within us. We're doing it within ourselves. To fight with the victory Jesus has given us is a spiritual fight. We must engage spiritually. And in doing that, we can see God bring things through. That's why Paul says we're pressed but not crushed. See, the world will oppress you physically. The world will attack us physically in this physical realm with physical words and physical actions and physical things. We overcome that in a spiritual fight, a fight of, of hearts. I want to say of minds, but it's, it's really a spiritual fight because people's minds have been blinded. And how do we unblind them? Well, we talked about that a few lessons ago. It's about the truth. We have to speak forth the truth the truth, the spiritual truth of the gospel, because that's what opens blind eyes. God's truth can take off the veil. It can remove those blinders so that their mind can suddenly see because their spirit is opening that up and he's communicating. The spirit can communicate to them, but it's a spiritual fight. So this brings us to an important truth. The truth is, that a person in whom Jesus Christ dwells has complete authority over principalities and powers, including the devil himself. That our battle is to stand on the word of God and in faith resist the works of darkness. I know that sounds crazy, but I'm resisting in faith. And my faith is in God and his word. That he is in me, that he is greater that he will manifest his presence. You know, the enemy's threatening to destroy our lives. He wants to bring us to the end, and he's doing everything he can. He brings to us the pain of losing loved ones. He brings to us pain from catastrophe, from divorces, from helplessness of seeing someone we, we love maimed in accidents, or wasted by illness, or tortured in persecution. He wants us to feel devastation and be destroyed. But, you know, Jesus Christ lives. He is real, and the grace of God is real. And because he loves us, there's always there. He is always there to carry us through. He is a great overcomer, and he will carry us to overcome. He is there, Ephesians 3, 16 through 21. 
that he, Jesus, would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Notice here it says that Jesus is going to grant us according to his riches. What's he going to grant us? To be strengthened with might. How are we strengthened? Through his spirit in the inner man. The inner man is your spirit. Your spirit is going to be strengthened with his might through his spirit. Why? So that Christ can dwell in our hearts through faith. Our faith. Our faith is, is important because honestly, sometimes we just don't believe. And I know that God has got a way of doing things, even though our belief is, is, is short and not perfect, he can still act. But when we put our faith in him in, in these moments, this is when his might and power can manifest in our hearts. And notice that what's the purpose of that? It's not to make a Superman and we fly around buildings and do miracles. No, it's what? That you being rooted and grounded in love may comprehend. So here it comes that if we want to be in God's power and might, it's about what? Being rooted and grounded in his love to understand the love of God. That the love of God, this is that greatest mystery. Go back and listen to my lesson on the greatest mystery. It's the, the, the power flows from the love of God. That we can understand this love that he has for us and that it fill us and that it works. His power works in us for all generations through this love. Now I want us to look at some, some scriptures here that gets into the, how, what this love does. Uh, Matthew 17, 20, and this is... It's a long verse. I'm reading the back half of the verse where Jesus says, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Mark 9, 23. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes. Mark 11, 22 through 24. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and it will be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. People, Christian brothers, nothing is impossible to him who believes. And don't take that out of context, but nothing is impossible. We need to have faith in God. And when I say nothing's impossible, and I say don't take it out of context, it's like, don't go, well, I believe I can fly and go jump off a roof. Don't go, I believe I'm going to win the lottery. No, I mean, it's like, grow up. We're talking about life and walking with God and, and dealing with overcoming the real issues of life. Sometimes we need miracles. We, we have to have miracles happen in our lives. We have loved ones that are lost. We have loved ones in addictions. We have loved ones 
uh, in terrible situations. We have loved ones that are lost and blind and living in sin that is going to destroy them and take them to hell. And we need miracles. We need miracles. Nothing is impossible to him who believes. We need to have faith that God can cast out the demons in our lives and in other people's lives that seem impossible to get rid of. We need to believe him that that he can do this. We need to take his word and believe his word and stand upon it. There's nothing wrong with doctors and medicine. I thank God for what he's done in our country and really the world in providing medicines to help people and to save lives. But there was a time and there is a time coming again when Doctors can no longer help you when you're at the end of your rope. Who are you going to believe? Again, I'm not trying to bash on doctors, but we've we've become so accustomed to blessings that God has given us that we've forgotten that God himself is the healer. We begin to trust more on man and man's wisdom than we do on God as a healer. And when that happens suddenly nothing seems to work. There's a time coming that how desperate do you want to be? How much do you need to cling to God? How much do I need to believe for a miracle? You know, with God, all things are possible. We need to have faith. Because you see, the enemy, he has no power in the world except what we give him. See, we allow our enemy to have power because of our unbelief, our ignorance, and our negligence. Yes, our negligence. When, when we neglect our walk with God, we don't hurt God. We hurt ourselves. Our negligence causes us to lack faith. It sort of feeds into unbelief. You know, I, I haven't really prayed. I don't have a good prayer life. I don't read the Bible. I really don't know what God says. I'm negligent. And then when I suddenly need a, a miracle from the Lord, what am I believing in? I say I'm believing in God, but really I'm believing the idol of God I've made because I haven't gotten to know who I'm talking to. See, the might and power of God, remember that Ephesians scripture, that we're going to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ can dwell in our hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend. But how can I comprehend? How can I, Because I don't know God. I don't know. I've been negligent. He's, he's offered me opportunities. He's given me a Bible. He's put me in a country where I can hear teachings. How can I be negligent? People, we need to spend time with the Lord. Reading the Bible and praying doesn't make you holy, but it helps you get to know God better. You want to spend you you want to have a great relationship with your spouse? Spend time with your spouse. You know, likewise with the Lord. We need to spend time with them. You know, you know, buying your spouse flowers and chocolate doesn't make them love you. It's you do that because it's a tool. Your Bible and prayer is a tool for you. But you got to get to know them. The enemy, he doesn't have power. He's he's relying on our unbelief, ignorance, and negligence. His only power is to deceive us. And he wants to cause you and me not to believe in the word and not to believe in Jesus. You know, one of his greatest deceptions he's used, and many people say this, is that we can believe he just doesn't really exist. 
or that he's not active in the world, but he is. He's he's perverting what the scripture says. And for us Christians, and of course these podcasts right now, I'm aiming at you as a Christian, as a believer in Christ. He wants to make us religious. He wants to put a religious spirit in us that we say, oh yes, I believe in Jesus. And we can say yes about the death and resurrection. We can say things, but we don't actually believe that God does these things. I've met Christians when faced with cancer or things, they don't believe God can heal. But you ask them a, a, a question about church and things, and they may, oh, yeah, I believe God. I believe God can do anything. But this is cancer or this is COVID or this is like these things are bigger than God. And it's, they, they, don't, they don't truly believe the word of God. They believe that ultimately their employer is their provider, not the Lord is their provider, and therefore they 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 were they they obey their master, their employer more than they obey God. And this is the enemy; he's trying to pervert what we believe to destroy our faith. He will create divisions and confusions and debates with us and other Christians. But we must. Grab a hold of God through faith and ask him to move in our lives. We get we have to know him so that his power will flow through us just to live life. And when I say just to live life, we have to understand to live life is to overcome. To live life means, oh, I was pressed but not crushed. I'm being persecuted, but he's with me right here. I'm not abandoned. He himself was persecuted far more than we will ever be persecuted. He knows and he understands. And in the end, that's why you see in the end of Scripture, like in Revelation 7, 17, it says that God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will come a day when God will wipe away our tears because he understands the hardships and the battles and the trials that, that we had to overcome. And he will wipe away those tears he will bring victory but that's just it he will bring victory then and he will bring victory now we just have to believe god to move let's pray father i thank you that you are real father i thank you that you are moving in lives god i thank you god that you can do the miraculous lord i pray that you would touch those that listen to this today, God, that you would strengthen their faith, God, that you'd help them to believe that with all things are possible with you, God, that, Father, we would be strengthened to want to know you more, to walk with you more, God. Lord, I pray that you begin to move in our lives, the breakthroughs and the miracles that we need in people's lives, that you break addictions, that you would save marriages, God, that you see people's lives transformed, God. In this evil and dark age, God, we ask that your light would go forth, God, and that we would see the profound difference you can make in people's lives. God, I thank you that you don't leave us, you don't forsake us, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, I encourage you to listen to our series, Chronicles of the Kingdom. We Each lesson builds week upon week. We're doing this for the year of 2022, this series. You can find those at our website, christianimpact.net. And until next time, God bless. Oh.